0: John F. Kennedy said, children are the world's most valuable resource and its best hope for the future. Oh, and he also said, this country cannot afford to be materially rich and spiritually poor. Mm. <laughs> what an idiot. Uh, welcome <laughs> to 2022, John. And uh, welcome to Religionless Christianity, uh, the show where every week me and my beautiful wife do our best to help you navigate this secular and increasingly wicked world and mm-hmm. do our best to walk as closely to Christ as we can and help you guys as best we can along the way. So um it is June. So that means it's gay pride month here in America, which is awesome. Um, A whole month. <laughs> an entire month for pride in your sin. Um I'm sure God's gonna overlook that. Why wouldn't he? Um But also, something I was thinking of as we were kind of putting this together, um, I thought, you know, maybe this is like a little bit of foresight on Satan's part. I don't know if Satan has foresight, Uh, but I guess if we have (laughs) foresight, maybe he has foresight. But this is also the month in which we celebrate Juneteenth, uh, which is sort of the official end of slavery. Kind of a big deal for our uh, African-American, black minority uh, Americans here in this country. And, uh, the reason why I think that stood out to me is, and we've talked about this a lot, um, we do have some black men and women that listen to this show here. And I would be curious to know what you guys think, um, and how you feel about the fact that it seems like really the LGBTQ movement in this country is essentially just co-opted the black civil rights movement as Mm -hmm. well. So now essentially they're the same thing, um, You know, to be trans in America is essentially being black now. So I'm curious. I don't remember blacks as they were struggling through uh, ending slavery, having an entire Pride month for blacks. Which is funny because I heard someone talk about this. You know, we're supposed to believe that the the LGBTQ community is a super oppressed minority group. And yet they have an entire month devoted to singing their praises on every channel, every platform. Again, I don't remember Blacks right after the Civil War having entire months dedicated to them for the nation to. So I'd be curious to know what our Black uh, black listeners have to f- say about, what about being lumped in with the LGBTQ movement But what about now.
1: February? Is, is Black History Month, is that...
0: It is, which is more important probably than Juneteenth, but I don't know. It's not really so much that Juneteenth is part of this gay pride month. It's just more the bigger question of the fact that every day the LGBTQ movement is essentially joined at the hip now with the black um, civil rights movement in this country, which is just a bizarre thing to be joined at the hip to, um, especially I've mentioned mm-hmm. many times on here, it. Jason Whitlock, he talks a lot about the, the faith of the black um, community in America and how that was really a bedrock to sort of push America into the promise of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And, you know, their unwavering faith through all the turmoil and all the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and now if we get here, and, you know, 2022, African-Americans are losing faith in droves in this country, and now they're being joined at the hip to a very anti-Christ movement. And I know that we have some very uh, faithfully religious black men and women that listen to the show. So I'm just curious, you know, you guys obviously know more about what's going on in your community than I do. So just curious to know what you think. That's yep. all.
1: We always want to know what everyone else So, thinks and has an opinion on what what we discuss. So,
0: yeah, especially when we're talking about race and those sensitive topics, if you will. Um, But, anyways, today, you know, we're going to be discussing uh, the groundbreaking decision in the Johnny Depp and Amanda (laughs) Heard. I'm just kidding. Don't turn us off. I even wrote that and I was laughing to myself. Uh, (laughs) We are not going to be talking about that trial, but it did end. And I'm sure the world rejoices that Johnny Depp got a little bit richer. So that's always good. (laughs) Um, But we are going to be reviewing what I consider the soul shaking documentary from Matt Walsh that just released called What is a Woman? And uh, we'll also be looking at our normal news stories of the week. I think we got some pretty good ones that were, you know, I thought were really interesting, Um, sad, interesting, um, if you will. But before we get to all of that, She asked me not to ask her, but I'm going to ask her anyways. Is there anything you would like to say?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't have any prayer requests right now, but um, you were going to bring up jail ministry? I
2: would like you guys to pray for our jail ministry. If
0: you could, I've asked you guys to pray for that in the past. And the jail ministry is awesome. It's going better than I could have hoped it was. And I have actually, you know, for the first four or five weeks or whatever i was just kind of there listening seeing how it was all going for the past two weeks i have been um starting the service off sort of leading in with a psalm and a proverb kind of discussing that and then passing it on to um the other gentleman with me so he could go into his preaching and it's just been really good um it's really nice, it's definitely humbling. You know, I told these guys when I first got up there to talk to them that uh, you know, I don't take lightly the fact that me, you know Spencer Tosi, if you knew me, um, my whole life to be standing in front of other men, you know, other believers and think that I have anything worthwhile to talk to them about or share with them or teach in any sense is very humbling. I take it very serious and it's been a blessing, not only just the preaching, but the hour car ride there and the hour car ride back um, with really, we can kind of consider him an elder of our church, very smart, godly man, and just get a lot of time to kind of talk about stuff and flush some things out. So it's been really good for me. I'm very much enjoying it. The guys are still fun. Uh, the, the guys in jail, they always seem to be in good spirits. So just pray that that continues to go well. And, you know, gets better. Why can't it get better? It'd be nice to show up one day and the ministry's empty. We're just talking to each other because they're all out of jail. That'd
1: so be... I have a question. I guess it's just my own question, but I just go once a week. Is there Bible study every Monday and someone else goes on the other Mondays? There, or other days a week, I mean,
0: like. There is, is but the Monday? way the jail is, is. Each, there's like different pods. So they have A, B, C, and D pod, I believe it is. Maybe E as well. So I think each day of the week, the pod, like a different pod has a Bible study. So our pod, A pod, only gets one Bible study a week. Okay. But then they can request one-on-ones throughout the week. So you could so,
1: go.
2: Yeah. So you can go and do sit down not- on
0: a one-on-one with someone else, you know, and and share maybe a one-on-one kind of Bible study prayer session if you wanted, But I think they only get the, the big, well, that's not true. They also get a Sunday, I believe, because they do have a jail chaplain
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, who I think preaches on Sundays. For all the pods? I think so.
1: Okay. I didn't really
0: so anything I, about
1: the pods. So Potentially, yeah. Well, that's better because that means there are more people going to different Bible studies. It's just your pod. You have that number of people show up. Yeah, You don't know how many people show up to the other Bible study for the other pod.
0: I don't, no. So
1: you are just assigned to that someone else. You can't do more than one pod.
0: You may be able to. I don't know about that wow. necessarily. Um, again, I'm not terribly engrossed in it, but yeah, we just do our one pod. I think there's five other pods and, wow. and the chaplain on a Sunday. So they get a lot of church,
2: which is good. That's good. So Thanks. I encourage everyone to get involved in the jail ministry. So, moving along here, um, as always,
0: before we dive into the news, I want to give you guys a chance to hear about Cardinal. Cardinal is getting ready to be summertime, and they are working currently on putting together some of their sort of open water survival um, adventures, if you will. So, you know, if you think learning how to survive on the open water would be entertaining, or you just want to sort of test your metal of what you think you already know. Um, Again, these guys are experts in it. Um, I think the team lead on here has been leading the Air Force's water survival program for the better part of a decade. Very knowledgeable, um, very good guys. And now would be a good time to reach out to them, see what they got in the works, and uh, see if that can fit into your schedule. I think you will learn, learn a lot and have a really good time doing it. So also, the website wasn't working. But we are proud members of the Christian podcast community, of course, and we always recommend you guys to go and uh, dig around on the website, go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really, anywhere you listen to podcasts and just search for Christian Podcast Community. You can subscribe to that feed, and all of us podcast members, 50 to 60 of us, are on that feed. And you can just search different shows and You know, there's, I've mentioned before, there's a lot of really good voices, a lot of smart, godly men and women that have worthwhile things to say. It's just because our lives are governed by algorithms and, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's why when you go to Spotify, all you're going to see is, you know, NPR and Joe Rogan and these sort of. Yeah,
1: who they're promoting. yeah, Yeah, the big
0: names, right? But there's a lot of really smart, really good podcasts, really uplifting, you know, talks on all aspects of religion. Like we talked about, they're not denomination specific. So there's something for you. Give them a look. If you find something you like, subscribe, follow, like, leave a review and all that good stuff. They would appreciate it. And so would we. (laughs) All right. All of that's out of the way. Now it's time for our, uh, trek through the Valley of the shadow of death. As we take a look at our news of the week, and this week the first story that we have here is uh, if you want to read this headline, honey.
1: Uh, watch a uh, man disguised as old lady smears cake on Mona Lisa painting. That's you want to just read these funny first two?
0: Yeah, it's pretty funny.
1: Okay, the highlights part. Yeah. Okay. Uh, art lovers visiting the famous Louvre? Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs>
0: the Louvre, yeah. It was funny. Uh, <laughs> sorry, we'll kinda cut back to this in a minute, but I was listening to a a news report on this and the girl I'm pretty I've always called it the Louvre. That's what I've all and she was like, at the world famous Louvre museum. And I was like, That's not right. <laughs> Louvre. I'm pretty sure it's the Louvre. If we're wrong, let us know in the comments. Okay. Anywho.
1: The art is silent. Yeah. Okay art lovers visiting the famous Louvre. Did I get it right? The Louvre. (laughs) The Louvre Museum in Paris were in for a shock on Sunday as a man dressed as an old woman jumped out of a wheelchair and smeared cake on Leonardo da Vinci's famous Mona Lisa painting. The video of the act has now been widely circulated on social media. Uh, So the man disguised as a wheelchair-bound old lady jumped out and tried to break the bulletproof glass barrier around the painting. When he was unable to break the glass, he promptly smeared cake on it in order to cover the painting. He was, by then, tackled by the museum's security. He also sprinkled roses before he was knocked to the ground by security. "I don't know what the roses mean. Is it like, "No,
0: this an guy act is
2: and- <laughs> insane?" He looks like um, a teenager. Oh, that's loud. Um, I couldn't. Yeah, so this idiot, excuse me if that's rude for you, but he's an idiot.
0: So this guy gets up, you know, he's dressed in a wheelchair, which I guess allowed him to get closer to the painting mm. than anybody else, I suppose. I don't know why that matters if you're in a wheelchair, but apparently, yeah, he got close to the, The Mona Lisa, and he jumps up and he tries to punch it. Probably was not aware that it's covered in bulletproof glass. So I'm sure his hand does not feel great now. So he punches it. And then for whatever reason, he has a pie with him a cake? Like, yeah, it's a cake that he basically like smashes. So he probably
1: snuck that in. I'm sure you can't have food in there.
0: No, he smashes this cake on the bulletproof glass. And then as they're dragging him off, he says,
2: Some people are trying to destroy the earth. Think of the earth. So he did this for the earth, we're told.
0: And the reason why this story, I mentioned it at all, because it's idiotic, this guy's an idiot. Kudos to the Louvre Museum for taking care of their painting. I don't see anything worthwhile in the Mona Lisa, never have, but it's a very valuable painting, a big piece of world history. Leonardo da Vinci and all of that stuff. But what struck me about this is just a sense that our world is losing a grasp on reality. And this guy, I think, highlights that really well. Not that there's not always been kooks and nut jobs, but these things are everywhere. You could probably find a thousand of these stories every single day. You know, everywhere you look you see this like these people that are just grasping for like anything that's real, anything that's meaningful and impactful because the world is rudderless and it's just drifting into madness. We're gonna see this really throughout this entire episode, especially when we get into our review of what is a woman. Uh, But like this secular humanist sort of existence that we're in, this is what it looks like. You're just a ship without a sail. You're just grasping for things that are real, Mm -hmm. So in this crazy person's mind that has no grounding in reality, he believes that like somehow if I can destroy the Mona Lisa, I'm going to help save the earth.
2: Why? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. So, you know, as Christians, I see this and
0: I'm just more and more convinced with all of these stories that it's more and more important that we start to unplug from this like mass media, social media, sort of globalist-driven world that we're in. Because um, I would guarantee this guy is very plugged in. I would imagine oh, yeah. he's probably consumed um, a climate activist. He's
1: in, yeah, he's in some
0: some groups. Yeah, you don't they're... even know about climate activism unless you're plugged in. Yeah, yeah. If you're just living your day-to-day life in Paris, France. Climate change is not a thing you would ever think of unless you're being told and fed that on a daily basis. Right, right. So I think it's so important that we as Christians, it doesn't mean that we stop, you know, we are in the world. We're called to be in the world, but we're called to not be of the world. And I think part of not being of this world is we got to start unplugging ourselves from the things that Satan is essentially ruling in this world, which is mass media, social media. This sort of, we're all global citizens now, citizens of the world. We need to unplug from that. And we got to start yeah. walking this thing back. I think I've said the quote on here many times, but that C.S. Lewis quote, where when you come to a fork in the road and you take one path, you know, whoever realizes that they've taken the wrong path first and turns back, they're the most progressive. Mm-hmm. So we're just on this course. We picked the wrong course. I don't know, maybe back in the 70s. Um, That's when gay pride month started, by the way, back in the 70s.
1: That far back?
0: Yeah, like once we took that path, we're just full steam ahead down this wrong path into destruction.
1: They would see where it's gone, like how far. They probably would be like, no, we don't want to go that far. Well,
0: those in charge are fine with it. The satanic people that are overseeing this. But this type of guy, he doesn't know. He's just being drugged in somewhere that he has probably very little idea on a day-to-day basis of where he's being led to and why. And, but he just, he doesn't have any grounding. And, yeah. and as an atheist, a secular humanist, you can't possibly have grounding. It leads right. you to nihilism where nothing means anything. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to go and defend the, you know, the icebergs and the Arctic Ocean. That's my great calling in life. something you can't possibly hope to influence at all in your entire
2: life
1: they just want to feel like their lives matter for something that they're making a difference so all these different groups you know global warming or whatever or save the earth like all these things it's a movement and they do they feel like their lives matter but these are the kinds of things that you identify yourself with and you you just get Consumed in it when you don't have your identity in Christ and are about his business and his kingdom. Because we know the world is going to pass away. So we need to be about our father's business.
0: Yeah, I think this is all of these movements, right? Obviously, you got a climate nut over here. But even the same thing with like the Black Lives Matter movements and these transgender movements, they have no hope for anything eternal because they're godless. And so they're just sort of making up wars to fight to give themselves a purpose. Yeah, yeah. You know, Black Lives Matter is like, oh, my God, you know, there's racism everywhere. No, that's already been defeated in this country. But they're grasping for something meaningful mm-hmm. that they can fight and win and have a purpose for. And Because apart from God and anything spiritual, you have no purpose here. You're not going to – what's this guy going to hope to do? To You're going to regrow the ice caps in the Arctic? Like, give me a break, dude. You have – you're just grasping for things. So, it's sad in a sense, but I think it's a good mm-hmm. warning to us that we really need to start walking ourselves back from this sort of stuff and purging ourselves from a lot of this sort of anti-christ um information streams that have and as we go through these um stories, you're going to see it's infecting the body of Christ bad, yeah, it's very badly. The church, yeah. So, we definitely have to start doing that. So, it's sort of a fun story, but I think it does have some serious ramifications and a good thing for us to sit and ponder about, you know, what we're doing with our free time and
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, all the technology yeah. and stuff that's around us. It's very dangerous. So uh, next story that we have here, very good story. I just want to, uh, well, let's have you read this and then I'll dive into it. I just want to read that headline.
1: Virginia passes law defining religion as including outward expression not just belief
0: then read like these three
1: uh virginia's republican governor glenn youngkin has signed a law that legally defines religion as including actions and expressions not just personal belief which is viewed as a win by religious liberty advocates Known as House Bill 1063, the legislation defines the word religion as meaning any outward expression of religious faith, including adherence to religious dressing and grooming practices and the carrying or display of religious items or symbols. Youngkin spokesperson McCully Porter told the Christian Post in a statement Tuesday that the legislation is a modest step to advance religious liberty in Virginia.
0: Yep. And one last little thing here. It does say down here, Virginia law uh, forbids discrimination on the basis of religion in multiple contexts, yet fails to define the actual term religion, which can leave Virginians vulnerable to hostile reactions to expressions of their faith, said Baylor in a statement. So that's kind of why they wanted to define it. And Mm. I kind of wanted to highlight this just because we discussed Governor Yunkin. When he was elected, we talked about him briefly and we were skeptical. You know, we were like, ah, kind of a rich Virginian is probably just gonna be another kind of, you know, rhino as they call him, a do nothing kind of a politician. But I just wanted to give him kudos because it seems like to this point, um, he's been pretty good. You know, I think when as soon as he got into office, he banned CRT from being taught in public schools, which is awesome. really good. Good for our, our kids there in Virginia. But then now he's taken this step to really support faith. And, you know, I don't know all that this law really does, but I think it's important, you know, as this country and this world continues to be, you know, be hostile towards the religious people out here, um, you know, we've, we've got to sort of prompt our politicians to start doing stuff like this when they're in our camp, which it sounds like Governor Yunkin is a religious man. um, We really have to be prodding them to get these laws in place to sort of protect us. Um, So I think this is good news and I think it deserves to be applauded. We'll have his Twitter handle down in the show notes. You can go drop him a a thank you, Um, continue to fight the fight, Um, because I think this is how we take our country back. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all prone to sort of get fixated on the big national political stories, presidents and Senate races, Mm -hmm. but the local state elections, like this is where we can really fight these fights and win the battles. Um, We're doing this down here in Florida and praise God for uh, Governor DeSantis. But so here we got Governor Youngkin up in a pretty progressive area in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, kudos to him on that. I'm sure there's more than just these two men that are out there fighting. So if you got a good governor in your um, in your state, a good state house, state, Senate, anything like that, and they're actually fighting these battles against the satanic, you know, Marxist, globalist agenda out there, let them know that you support them and urge them to continue f- to fight harder um, that you have their back because if we don't tell them that we support them, you know, I'm sure they're getting bombarded day in and day out with probably some of the most vile, hateful things you can imagine. So yeah,
1: even something so small is getting rid of the CRT and the schools and
0: oh, I just keep
1: thinking back on all these these Christians, these, you know, people who call themselves truthers and they're they're really anti American because they were not supposed to be political and our kingdom is God's kingdom, you know, those people who hate America. But really like you're doing a service to all these young kids because of you taking advantage of your freedoms and, and voting for the right people in place who will do these things to spare the children, to yeah. corrupting them. Like You tell it, those
0: cowardly qu- Christians, just go sit back in your house. We'll take care of you like we always do.
1: Yeah, you, know, like,
0: you go back there and clutch your Bible to your breast and we'll go and yeah. fight the fights. All right. You just
1: Right. Like... God is sovereign. He he made this nation. He he makes all nations rise and fall and Yeah. And yeah, it's if you can do good for others through a freedom. We don't love our freedoms because it's for us. It's for others, for the good of others.
0: Yeah. I mean we talked about explain. it before in Jeremiah where he tells us to you know, pray for the well-being of the land that you're in because that's where we get our well-being. Yeah. So we should be active to make this the best place that it can be for us because this is where we get our well-being. There's Mm -hmm. nowhere else for us to go, right? We've got to fight the fights here so that we can have the best possible life here. You can't just give up and be like, oh, well, I guess whenever the Lord comes back, we still have kids that got to grow up in this world. And yeah, the whole argument
1: is that when things get bad, that's, when, and when the church is persecuted, that's when the gospel really, you know, gr- well, the gospel goes forth. More people will call on Jesus in times of persecution, but we don't, it isn't necessary. Yeah, it
0: doesn't have to be that way. Right. It doesn't, no one says that like you can't cry out to God until your life's completely fallen apart. Yeah. That's just human nature, but we can change it. Yeah. So... Yeah, keep fighting. And then always, you know, there was a tweet down here from one of the state senators or whatever that doesn't like Governor Yunkin. And you tell she's upset that he dared to do something like this. And she even curses in her own Twitter hand or, uh, yeah, whatever, her tag down there. So I thought, you know, anytime you got the satanic left angry at you, you're probably doing something right. So keep it up, <laughs> Governor Yunkin. Um, and then this next story just saw it right before we were coming up here. And I thought it's worth mentioning. Um, this one here from the Christian post as well. Do you want to read that?
1: Does MIA embraces Christianity after vision of Christ risks losing progressive fans? Jesus is real. Yep. Okay. I didn't know who MIA.
0: I don't either, but it says, She's apparently a popular mainstream artist, MIA, says she became a born-again Christian after having a vision of Jesus Christ, and it's something she's proud of, even if it may cost her, uh, her career. You want to mm-hmm. just read that paragraph?
1: Since then, my head has been in a totally different place. Being a tam- Tamil?
0: Yeah, I think that's I her that like Hindu, Indian oh, background, okay. maybe. I don't know.
1: Yeah. So it says being a Tamil and being a Hindu, I was very comfortable that I'd arrived finding myself, which is, I think, going to be weird for America to process. She told Lo of her divine vision, but I had a vision and I saw the vision of Jesus Christ.
0: Yep. So I thought this was neat. Now, obviously I can't speak for MIA. I don't know what she necessarily means by saying, I'm comfortable that I arrived finding myself. Like if maybe she's saying, well, I saw this vision, that's good enough for me, I'm saved now. Again, I I can't necessarily speak on her eternal spiritual state, but I would say if that's as far as you got with it, a bit risky, but why this is interesting is there's an opening she may very well have been cuz i think this happened a little while ago she had a vision in 2017 so now we're finding out years later so i don't know where her faith walk has gone right but there's an opening right so i put this in here just to encourage us to reach out to her give her prayers of support maybe encourage her to um you know walk the right path you know she's obviously a celebrity Christian-ish, like if she in that Justin Bieber sort of hill song, Christianity that's weak Mm -hmm. at best, right? So uh just make sure, you know, to make sure that her faith is solid and if she's going awry, maybe help steer her back. So her Twitter handle will as well be down in the show notes. I just thought it was neat. Somebody who is at least professing Christ, we should always be supportive of that. Um, you until know. they, you know, prove themselves untrustworthy, I guess, but I have no reason to necessarily doubt her other than, you know, the story you're like, eh, I mean, that's great. You had a vision of Christ and he's gotten you this far, but
1: right. But in five years, people are you watching read your
0: Bible. How is your, you know, prayer, life? all these sorts of things. So, you know, just encourage you maybe send mm-hmm. a, a tweet her way, a prayer, her way, um, let her know that she's got people in her corner. Cause that's a neat story. I like hearing mm-hmm. these i um, tired of hearing about people walking away from Christ. I'd rather start reading about more stories of them coming to find Christ. So, Yeah. Um, but this was the main story that I really wanted to talk about this week in the news because it was shocking, as the headline says, if you want to read that.
1: Shocking survey finds only half of evangelical pastors hold biblical worldview.
0: Think about that. Half of evangelical <laughs> pastors. Um, Do you want to just read these three paragraphs?
1: Once considered the denomination of scriptural truth bearers, evangelical Christians might be in jeopardy of losing their theological reputation. In what researchers described as a shocking find, a new report from the Cultural Research Center, CRC, at Arizona Christian University, indicated just over half of all U.S. pastors of evangelical churches 51% have a biblical worldview. This study released Tuesday builds on an earlier report from CRC's American worldview inventory, 2022, which showed that just 37% of Christian pastors bring a biblical worldview with them to their pulpits.
0: Insane, absolutely insane stats. Um, Mm. Survey is jaw dropping, I think. So I was
1: just wondering, they claim is it that they claim to have a biblical worldview or some say they do but we would judge they don't
0: well we'll get into what they mean necessarily by a biblical worldview yeah i'm um, here in just a second but i just wanted to touch quickly on um evangelical what does what is an evangelical because that might not be a term everyone's familiar with and so i just pulled some common places that you might go to find what an evangelical is and According to Webster's Dictionary, it says being in agreement with the Christian gospel, especially as it's presented in the four gospels. And then dictionary.com says pertaining to or in keeping with the gospel and its teachings. Um, And I like the definition from Britannica.com because it said that evangelicals stress the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, personal conversion experiences, scripture is the sole basis for truth or for faith and active evangel or evangelism. So with those definitions, 51% of pastors who claim to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ had a personal conversion. Mm-hmm. Scripture is our sole basis for faith and are active in evangelism. 51% of them have a biblical worldview.
1: How can that be? How it can you can't be?
0: <laughs> Can't be. So it's a wild stat. When I read it, I was like, that's insane. Only 51% of pastors that get up of on a Sunday morning and preach the gospel have a biblical worldview. So, like you said, you might be going, okay, well, what do they mean, right? What is a biblical worldview then? Because maybe they just got some weird idea of what a biblical worldview maybe view is. Maybe it's
1: like an evangelical pastor has a son who takes over the church. He just, no, I mean, they are taking. Church. He has. A well, worldly... I think the idea is
0: the pastors are claiming themselves to be evangelical. That's how they're identifying. So what yeah. is a biblical worldview? And the survey was done by um, Arizona Christian University, I believe. And the lead researcher was George Barna, who is, does a lot of Christian surveys, very well respected. So... I didn't find it in that specific article, but in an earlier article that they wrote for surveys that they did years ago, they give a definition of what a biblical world is, or worldview is to George Barna. So that's where I pulled this from. Hmm. And it says down here, for the purpose of the research, a biblical worldview was defined as believing that absolute moral truths exist, that such truth is defined by the Bible, and firm belief in six specific religious views. Those views were that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and he still rules it today. Salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. Satan is real. A Christian has a responsibility to share their faith in Christ with other people. And the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. So 51% of evangelical pastors believe that. How That's on scary. earth can that be the right. case? How are you
1: going to know if your pastor doesn't have a biblical worldview? You like, well, like I evangelical think, church, but.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say you have to ask, I guess. But, you know, because you would think, what are they preaching?
0: that would be enough to teach you Mm -hmm. or to help you know if they have a biblical worldview.
2: But apparently not if these people are still in the church. And you know, when I saw that, the first thing that I thought of was, well,
0: that tells me that we are basically 49% over our capacity for how many preachers that we need in this country because we have 49% of people that we don't need to be preachers if they don't hold to a biblical worldview. And we talked about this a little bit last week with the Southern Baptist Convention, how, you know, they had 47,000 churches, but like since 2000, they have planted 6,000 new churches in this country, mm. all while losing 2 million members. Um, so there's churches everywhere, right? As far as the eye can see, every strip mall's got a church in it, and every street corner's got a church in it. And they're all filled these pulpits with people who claim to be pastors, but they don't actually fully believe the book that they claim to be teaching from.
3: Yeah.
0: That's a big problem. And it's not just evangelical pastors. That's a big
2: headline here. But the article goes on um, to say, let me see if I can find it here. Um, Because it gets worse than that like that's actually the best part of the article. It says
0: um, 57% of pastors leading non-denominational and independent churches held a biblical worldview. And that's like the big win for them, 57%. Um, 48% of pastors of Baptist churches hold a biblical worldview. How is that possible? And then, no, sorry, this was the big win. Southern Baptist Convention churches 78 percent hold biblical worldviews and that's supposed to be the big win hey look three-fourths of those guys actually believe in the bible and it influences the way they see the world that's terrible um
1: and this is 2022 this is
0: 2022
2: and then all the way down here uh where does it say it let me find this i can't see it in here but it says if you guys read through this
0: they will be linked in the show notes but nine percent of pastors leading traditionally black churches hold a biblical worldview and only six percent of
2: catholic priests hold a biblical worldview what? like you want to know why america's falling apart this is why and
0: um what george barna said the lead Gosh. researcher. He said, with barely half of evangelical pastors possessing a biblical worldview, and that number continuing to decline, attending what may be considered an evangelical church no longer ensures a pastoral staff that has a high view of
2: scriptures.
1: But over, oh, if you scroll back up, what's that first um, paragraph
2: that you read, um, That they believe all of scripture is accurate. That can't be true. It
0: can't be.
1: They That can't be a true definition of an evangelical then.
0: Or the people who claim to be evangelical are not. They don't, they don't not. claim that.
1: They don't believe all of scripture is accurate. Right. I don't know
2: it. how you can have a biblical, like, yeah. I mean, if you
0: believe that all of scripture is accurate, I think that you have to have a biblical worldview, if that's the yeah, case. Yeah,
1: yeah. So they, if you ask them, is all scripture, you know, inspired by God, profitable for teaching, correcting, all that, um, they would have to say no.
0: Well, yeah, and they did. I mean, apparently in this survey, they were like, no, nah, I don't believe that. That's where they get that. They
1: just said, no, I don't believe that.
0: I guess. I mean, I didn't read the actual so survey. Okay. But, you know, you look at these... And we talked about an article previously um, where you pair this with the fact that only 6% of America has a biblical worldview. Right, yeah. Which, Mm -hmm. again, if you only have 30% of the pastors that actually believe in a biblical worldview, then of course the congregants going aren't going to believe in a biblical worldview because they're not being taught a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. So I was like, we've got pastors that don't believe in the Bible that are teaching the Bible to a congregation that don't believe in the Bible, like this nation's done. <laughs> like, you know, we're dead as Gosh. a great nation, certainly, but a free nation, most likely, if no. we even hang on at all. Like if we just have another, like this nation is not special then. If you're just a completely secular, you know, you might as well be, I don't know, Stockholm. At this point, like just be Sweden. It makes no difference. You have no biblical grounding. (laughs) It's, I don't even know like words to say. It's crazy to me to think that, but you know, me and my, uh, the guy that I do the, the jail ministry with, we're talking about this very thing last week when we were going there about the idea of, you know, because James tells us that not many are to be teachers, Mm -hmm. um, is one of the verses in James because they'll be judged harsher. They'll be held to a higher standard, I believe. I'm kind of paraphrasing there, so forgive me if I'm a little off on how the verse reads, but not many are to be teachers. And yet, just in the Southern Baptist Convention, we've got 47,000 churches. And that's how many Catholic churches and how many Baptist church, you know, evangelical, non-denominational. You're talking about millions and millions of pastors, people who claim to be pastors, yet don't believe the word of God to be true in all aspects, the Bible to be true and inspired in all aspects. That's a lot of
1: people that they're leading astray. Yeah, so you
0: wonder why we have a completely feckless and worthless Christian base in this country, that really the idea of being a Christian is like, I'm nice to people, I'm a Christian. No, being nice to people is, that's not being a Christian. That's like, what
1: Vody calls the 11th commandment, thou shalt be nice. Yeah, thou shalt be
0: nice. <laughs> no, you should walk in love, but that doesn't mean you just overlook sins and offenses. That's not being Christian-like. You know, Matthew 28, I think verse 20, I've been talking about a lot this week. Jesus tells them to, uh, you know, preach the gospel. That's a great commission. But then in verse 20, he tells them to teach them to observe all of my commands. Mm-hmm. Who in the Christian world is teaching everybody around them to observe all of God's commands? That's
1: what's not happening. And that's the part that offends Christians because they're like, oh, no, I'm covered by grace. And they're not teaching them how to walk holy. And you know, if you bring up holiness, they're like, I'm not called to be holy. No, God's grace. You know, I'm holy in his eyes, but I don't have to. Live holy. I don't have to strive for anything because that's workspace. That's legalism. No, that They'd is call it cheap legalism. grace. Yeah. That is
0: what Dietrich Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace. Our Lord died and paid a very heavy price for us. And the idea that, oh, thank goodness Jesus did all that hard work so I can just do whatever I want and get to heaven that's what cheap grace. What do you grace. think
1: God gives you the Holy Spirit for? Like, what's the point in Him filling us with His Holy Spirit, convicting us of sin? Like, nobody wants to be convicted of sin. Then, then you're just rejecting the Holy Spirit.
0: No, it's, this is a mind-blowing stat. And, you know, the, I got off topic, but the thing that we were kind of talking about was this idea is we've been doing this style of Christianity in America forever, right? For mm-hmm. as long as we get a church on every corner, you know, plant more churches. The Southern Baptist conventions planting churches as fast as we can, and we're losing people as fast as we can. So it's not yeah. working. So there's got to be a different mode. And we were kind of talking about the idea of city churches. Would that be a better mode where maybe you were just a large group of elders? You know, obviously there'd be some denominational differences if you got, you know, Presbyterians and Baptists. There's some denomin- or, you know some differences in, you know, certain aspects of your religion, but could you lay those aside for the greater good?
3: Mm.
0: Because what we're doing doesn't work. Because I think a lot of this is people like the idea of being a pastor. Mm-hmm. you know it's an easy road to leadership. It's an easy road to respect. It's really mm-hmm. hard to become the CEO of Chevron. There's only one of those, and it's very competitive. But to be the pastor of a local church, ah you just got to go and start one. That's mm-hmm. super easy, and now people call you pastor, they respect you. and I think we've got a lot of that going on in this uh, in this country to the point where they're teaching stuff they're unqualified to teach um
2: yeah they are and it doesn't mean that they
0: couldn't share you know we were just reading acts chapter 6 with our kids today and that starts telling the story of stephen you know which is not a very lengthy story in acts but stephen is a deacon <laughs> they ex- they describe stephen as a deacon which blew my mind i probably knew that in the past blew my mind they said stephen and all deacons had to be men of good repute, filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom mm-hmm. was a requirement. But then it goes on to say that Stephen was performing like miraculous signs um, and wonders or something that says mm-hmm. like miraculous signs and wonders. It says that um, when he was called in front of the, the Pharisees, his face shone like an angel. So you look at this man. He has like every qualification to be an apostle. He's literally like handing out the crackers at church. <laughs> That's who the early churches, like church helpers were. Were men that were doing miraculous signs and wonders, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Today, most of the pastors in America don't even believe the Bible's true.
1: They're not even qualified to be a deacon.
0: No, yeah. they could not even hand out crackers in the <laughs> early church. And You wonder why America is in such an awful state, every institution. And this is why we have men that are unqualified to teach scripture, pretending to teach scripture, and people who think they're, and it's almost, I mean, everyone's guilty of their own sins and everybody's held accountable. But like, you're going to these churches and you think you're getting a godly message and you're like, boy, I feel really good. Left church and I'm feeling great not realizing you didn't get anything. You got a motivational speech and you went out and you were nice to people. And you're like, there I am going to heaven.
1: But I was just thinking on like, we're just, we have all these churches. We hear all these pastors. They're not, they don't really believe in all of scripture, but we don't have to get worried that the church is dwindling because the real church the bride of Christ isn't going anywhere. She's no. not going to defile herself, going to stay unspotted from the world and love the brethren. It's just that we're really seeing a separation from the sheep and the goats and the, oh, the wolves and sheep's clothing. What we're really seeing all of this coming to light is there's just tons of wolves in the church is what we're witnessing.
2: Yeah, and a lot of them are That's, in the pulpit.
1: So it's not really so disheartening to see these numbers the way they are, because the road is narrow. If it would be harder to believe if all these pastors claimed, it, you know, it was hundred percent. That would be like, wow. So this many people are, are true Christians. This does that seems like a wide road you know to the truth. But we know that the way is narrow. So these numbers really shouldn't be surprising. All that the numbers reveal is that there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. That's that's what you conclude.
2: Yeah, it's But we've let them in.
1: We've opened the door to it, and they let their wolves in too.
0: And I think the important thing is we get ready to move on here to our biblical topic, but Man, you got to be in the word for yourself. Yes. You've got to test all things. Mm-hmm. Judge, I mean. It's
1: okay to judge your pastor according to the word of God. Like, the word is above your pastor. That's totally acceptable. It is not wrong to do that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and don't be afraid if you find your church wanting and they're not teaching you what you see in scripture or if they're sort of whitewashing it or, you know either call them out or if they don't want to hear it, get up and go find a different church. Um, yeah. Find somewhere where you will be fed. Find somewhere where your, ch- or your children and your family will be fed. Yeah, Because um, that's important. So it's a shocking survey to read um, for sure. But
1: at the same time, I don't feel shocked. All the churches we have been to, would you say they were all a biblical worldview and even the people who went there. We know a lot of churches we've been to moving around so much, they're full of people who really
0: didn't have a well, biblical yeah, world view. The sad thing is, is a lot of times you don't realize that until you almost leave. You know, you kind of walk away or you go just and you're like, Oh man, like
2: Yeah you look start back looking and,
0: back and you're like, Goodness gracious, I can't believe Yeah we were there for so long or we thought you know Yeah. But yeah, just I don't know. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Um, cause again, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're reading everything wrong. And, um, you know, we've taken our own biases into this. So let us know. We'd love to hear from you yeah. guys, what you think about this or just what you make of it. Cause to me, it was pretty shocking when I
2: saw it. So, um, Oh, last news story I want to touch on just because I think it's cool. NBA finals are starting. Uh,
0: they started this week. So I just want to make my hot take for this week, um, <laughs> in the world of sports. If you're a sports fan, let me know. Nikki, I'm sure, is not going to care. (laughs) Steph Curry (laughs) is the best basketball player in the league for the last 10 years at least, I would say. So if you disagree, I'd love to hear from you. Um, And he changed the NBA more than LeBron James ever did. So that's my hot take, NBA Finals. I'm actually going to give it a watch. Uh, I haven't watched a single basketball game all year, but I'm a big Steph Curry fan, so we're going to watch it. You are. Anywho. (laughs) So for our Bible topic this week, we wanted to review the just released documentary by Matt Walsh called What is a Woman? And I mentioned earlier, this was a soul shocking documentary, and it was really for me. I watched it twice. We watched it once the night it came out and I watched it the next day to take notes because the first time I watched it, I was just like,
1: you need time to process that you have to watch it again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So really good documentary. Um, Unfortunately, and this documentary is going to be our sermon recommendation for this week as well. Unfortunately, it's only available on the daily wire, which you have to be a, monthly subscriber in order to watch. So you can get a monthly subscription, I believe for $14 a month. So, you know, we encourage you to watch it. I think it's good to know what we're up against, um, Mm -hmm. what Satan's cohorts are doing to us and our children, but it is pricey. It's not just a simple YouTube video this week, but still highly encourage it. So all i did i just kind of took down some notes kind of like we did with um 2000 mules just things that stuck out to me that we could kind of talk about not going to belabor them too terribly long i hope but just our thoughts because it was such a jarring documentary to watch and really well done i think if anybody is unfamiliar with matt walsh he does a lot sort of in a christian vein You know, he's still sort of a political commentator, conservative commentator, but he does work a little bit more in the religious vein than a lot of conservative commentators. Uh, We've appreciated some of his stuff that he's done Mm -hmm. in the past. He seems to be really unafraid to kind of, you know, poke Satan in the chest with some of the stuff he's doing. And this documentary was Absolutely that. So I did the super scientific again and just wrote it down on an old dirty notebook. See.
1: It does have some coffee stains
0: on it. <laughs> so we'll just get started with kind of your overall thought. What did you really think of the documentary as a whole since you sort of watched it twice almost?
1: I think it's very accurate just of what the kind of people we've come across, like the people who he interviewed, you know, that are... On the side of transgenderism, Like we've come across those people. I have some family members like that. But like on Facebook, whatever, social media, you get some of the same answers, um, vague definitions. like we brought up that cir- circular definitions. There's no there is no absolute truth, which we've talked brought that up a lot. That's what's wrong. There is no absolute truth. There's no higher authority that sets um that has defined things already so they can't even like comprehend it just what no this is what it means and it's circular and that's just everything it was it was stuff we already knew but it just kind of like shined more light on it on how broad of an issue this is some
0: of the overall stuff is probably stuff we, we really knew he does dive into the weeds a lot here and uncovers a lot of things that I thought were really interesting. But yeah, I mean, so the idea of the documentary, right, is he's trying to get an answer to this question. What is a woman? So he goes to a lot of doctors, a lot of professors, a lot of, you know, transgendered activists and asking them this question without getting a real answer. Like Nikki said, yeah. a lot of the circular definitions and, you know, there's one college professor, a doctor in there that gives in the whole, well, a woman is a woman. Yeah. And he's like, okay, but what is that? So, um, that's yeah. the question he's trying to answer. And, you know, you mentioned that we've dealt with these kind of people and it's kind of these vague and, but I just thought, you know, cause when you watch it, I thought one of the attacks is probably going to be on, well, he talked to these people. You're right. These people were idiots or these people are the crazy people, but I don't think that's true. I think they're crazy because they were, we heard what they had to say. Like, I think if they weren't exposed in this documentary, mm. they would be the experts, right, right. that people would reference. Because there one, one was a, a doctor of gender studies at a university, they had pediatricians, they had the, the. Uh, I think he said at the time, the world's lead, leading um, vaginoplasty surgeon. But when you hear them actually talk and try to explain themselves, you're like, This is some of the dumbest things I've heard. So you think, well, they're going to try to spin it with, you asked the wrong people. And I don't think that's the case. I think Mm. these were the right people, but they don't have any real explanation. They don't have a real answer to give outside of feelings
2: and what do they want. And everything was deflected
1: back. Every question that he was asking, who he was probably all of them, what is a woman? what do you say a woman is? Everything was like, just cause they didn't have the answers. So they asked, well, what do you say? And like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe how calm he stayed.
0: He like- was very calm. <laughs> yeah. He was definitely kept his composure very well. But so that was the idea of the
2: documentary, right? Just get down to what is a woman. And I, I thought it was interesting. Um,
0: Early on, you know, we kind of mentioned this before about progress in America, because he asked that question very early on in the documentary. What, um, he says, what does progress look like kind of in this idea of transgendered rights and all these sorts of things? And I think that's a very good question for us to ponder as Christians, but also just as a nation. Hmm. You know, he talked about getting off on the wrong path. And rather than realizing we're on the wrong path, we're just like, Maybe we get further down this path, we'll realize what's right, and like, oh
1: mean, no, like, this is still wrong. How has America progressed, like positively?
3: Yeah, I like, mean, cause how that's the is whole this
1: idea progress? Of, this is not progress.
0: Well, because that's what the progressive movement would but tell they you. Would We're say progressing towards yeah. this utopian society, yeah. um, which I couldn't help but watch this, and then you attach this to the last two years of COVID, and I'm like. This has all got to be tied to a depopulation agenda. Like, I really
1: think so. The only
0: thing that makes sense is like, just get all these people to cut their genitals off, and take these, you know, get puberty blockers. Get all these blockers. kids on,
1: yeah, all these And then blockers. in a generation
0: or two, we'll thin the world's population yep. by a billion or two. And then it'll be great. Like, a and lot of we people... never had to kill a single person.
1: Right. Just you think know. of all the ways, just through abortion, and then women who have abortions, they might not be able to conceive again. And all these young kids with the hormone blockers and stuff, that'll probably mess them up from being able to procreate too. And then just the whole family unit being attacked, really. Yeah.
2: Well, so the first person
0: that he kind of goes and interviews, if you remember, <laughs> is the surgeon, the world's le- leading Mm-hmm. a vaginal plasty surgeon who I guess turned out to be a transgendered woman, so a mm-hmm. man
3: mm-hmm.
0: that has transitioned into a woman. I think
1: I understand what it means now the terms cuz I, I, I was like, no well idea. what were they originally? Whatever they say they are is what they were trans ter- whatever.
0: Yeah, so a trans woman was a man. Was a man. A yes. A trans man was a woman. Transgender
1: woman. woman is not the same as a woman.
0: But it's funny because she corrects him (laughs) right away. I think that was her where he says trans woman. And she goes, woman.
2: He's like, okay, sure. Oh, yeah. Woman. So, um. It's a woman.
0: (laughs) No, I'm sorry. So that was the second woman that he um, interviewed. Sorry. The first one that he interviewed was kind of a quick part of the show, but it was this girl named or guy, I still don't know. Gert Comfrey, that was a feminist psychologist, a family plane, remember her? The one that Him? was
1: like just all calm.
0: Yeah, she was super like creepy calm. Um, so she was like a feminist psychologist, like psychologist, family She planner.
1: affirmed children in their identity.
0: But she said a statement early on And this has always bothered me. It doesn't just bother me in this conversation, but he asks her, what is a woman? And I think she was a woman. She was a trans man, I believe is what it was. I don't know. But she says, um, I'm not a woman, so I can't answer that. And that drives me up a wall because you see this with everything. If you're not a woman, you can't talk about abortion. If you're not a minority, you can't speak on minorities. If you're not Anything. The only people that are allowed to be spoken of by anybody is like white males. Anybody has an opinion on them, but they can't have an opinion. Yeah, anywhere but else. the whole
1: even with the abortion thing, men absolutely can speak on abortion. Even more so, that baby is their baby.
0: Well, right, and not to mention the fact that if you're intelligent, you can have an opinion on anything. As yeah. long you know, just because I'm not a woman doesn't mean I can't go. Well, a woman. Is an adult human female. Oh, how do you know you don't, you're not a. Well, what do you mean you can't have a definition on it? Well, like, he
1: asked that gay guy on the street, like, what is a woman? And he said, well, I don't know. I'm not a woman. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you hear this multiple times in there. Well, I'm not a woman, so I, well, I don't know. Only well, a woman goes, can know that.
1: He goes, well, are, are you a cat? Can you define a cat? He, like, walks away. I I didn't even start talking to you because like, yeah, you're not a cat, but you can define what a cat is.
0: Because that's the pickle they always get in, right? Is that you don't want to answer the woman question and pretend like it's some ethereal question, but like, yeah, you know what a cat is. You can tell me what a cat is. But then also, how can you transition into a woman if you don't know what a woman is? Yeah. I had that thought watching it. Like, if a woman is just a nothing, then like you're transitioning from a man into a nothing. Why not just stay a man and say you're a woman? Right, So really right. what you're saying is I want boobs So and a whatever your idea
1: know. of a woman is, yeah, whatever you've, you're trying to look like, that's your definition of a woman. But then you say you don't know what a woman is. It's, it's just so confusing. Like it just shows that they don't know or they do know, but they don't know how to explain it intelligently or admit how foolish they are.
0: Nobody can explain it intelligently. Um, but so the second person that they interviewed was the surgeon Um, her name was Marcy Bowers I believe she was the uh, the world's leading
2: you know surgeon or whatever and the one point that she really brought up that and again this
0: is a documentary we all know that it's designed to tell a certain message so you go into it understanding that but I still think it conveyed the right message and it made sense to me but one of the questions that he asks her is about trans abled people um which is kind of the idea and he brings it up in there is you know some people feel like you know they have two arms but they were they feel like i should have been born with one arm and so he's like so if somebody goes in and wants to have one of their arms cut off like what do you think about that and the surgeon who does all the transgendered surgery um she tells him that that's a mental diagnosis like the guy has a mental problem if that's what they think and then she goes so far as to go that's a little bit kooky so I don't know if she was trying to prod him because then he asks her he's like you don't see any sort of like irony with this and she's like no and you, I don't know how you can say a guy who thinks he's a girl is completely wildly different and more understandable than a guy that goes I don't think I should have my arm it doesn't just fit my body and these people
1: know that that the argument that he brought up was right yeah
0: I felt like she was just a liar yeah, and she, she knew everything but again probably doing very well for herself she's transgendered herself or he is yeah. I don't know what her and sex she said the youngest
1: the youngest person to have the surgery done
2: was 16
1: 16 I'm sure that's younger. Like, you can, I don't know, you can, like, tell when people are lying. Like, oh, they're probably 15. Close enough.
2: Yeah,
0: 16 like, years old to have a life-altering decision done on them is
2: wicked, I feel it's like. It's evil. But, yeah, so yeah. she says that. Um, yeah, I mean, she didn't really have anything
0: worthwhile, I felt like. She was very interesting to listen to all of these people. I highly encourage you to watch this documentary. It's good to sort of stare Satan in the eyes and sort of see (laughs) who you're dealing with because their ideas are stupid. Um, The transgendered idea, not to say that and one of the psychiatrists does talk about gender dysphoria and it's an awful disease. I think she even makes note that Mm, one in 30,000 to one in Mm 110,000 have gender dysphoria. And she's like, it's really bad um but she's like that's not what we're dealing with here in mm-hmm. 2020 2022 America it's not gender dysphoria it's something different mm-hmm. which we've talked about it's social contagion it's yes. social influence that's leading people it's here it's something
1: weird like people want to like cut themselves to feel something to feel alive to feel real i think it's something like that on another level they're doing something to their body they're trying to I don't know what the word is for it, but people do weird things to themselves. Like they get crazy piercings and all over their body. Like people have been doing weird things or getting horns in their head and yeah. Like being something besides what God created you to be.
0: Well, and they and even bring on accepted. one of the transgendered people later in the, the show who claims that they're like a furry that they're like a wolf spirit, something or other. Like Mm -hmm. they're a transgendered
2: woman. So they were a man, but they're a wolf. So bizarre. I don't really
0: get that, but they did another doctor in this makes the point that there are certain schools, at least in the city that she's in, where this is part of the queer identity that they're, um, Oh, that's that category. Yeah. Where, kids will act out like they're a cat or they're a dog or something. And teachers in these schools aren't allowed to correct them because that's part of a queer identity. So,
1: But if you're a cat, what's the point in being in school? You can't can't be a cat and have a human mind and retain information.
2: Well, and this was the first big point, kind of, because he interviews a couple of people on the street You know, and it's always
0: the same answer. And one takeaway I had from this was like, New York, at least New York City and California are just hellscapes. I wouldn't wish my worst enemy to live in those cities. Because he's interviewing these people and they all give like the same answer. And He's like, what if I told you I want to be a woman or something? And you can just see them all looking. He's a tall man with a beard. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, whatever. You know, you can do whatever you want. And I just thought, we're so pathetic in this country. Like, people don't even wanna think. They don't even want to offer up real opinions. Like, we're just so lazy that it's just like, whatever, dude, do whatever. It's
1: like you can't get madder, you can't get mad at these people who go into schools and shoot up kids. Cause maybe to that person, those their reality is different than your reality. Maybe they weren't children in their mind. everybody's like, whatever's your reality, your truth is your truth. How can you judge anybody for doing any wrong then?
0: Well, that's absolutely. An atheist has no way of telling you that the school shooter did something wrong. The atheist has no ability to tell you transgenderism is right or wrong. These are just things that are. Now, they can tell you, I don't like when school shooters happen, but they can't tell you that that's wrong because it's just a chemical process that your brain doesn't have and their brain does. So yeah, atheists can't tell you anything's right or wrong.
1: These are just the vain imaginations the scripture talks about, like God giving people up to these reprobate minds, and this is well, what we yes. have to live amongst. Like, God, don't leave us here with all these people. <laughs>
0: well, and that's why I thought we need to unplug from this because, like, we're just surrounded by people. And I'm sure we're maybe all guilty of this at different don't times. Call
1: them people. You know, you might get thrown in jail for if you're saying in Canada, something true.
0: We'll touch on that. But, <laughs> like, they, you just get the idea. Like, they don't even want to think, like, dude, just tell me whatever and I'll say it's okay. Yeah. Instead of being like, Because that's one of the big points Matt Walsh keeps driving home in this. And I love the point because they keep asking him multiple times, why do you care? Yeah. Why do you care if somebody says they want to be a man or a woman? What does it matter to you? And he just keeps saying, I want to know the truth. Like, there is a reality that I want to live in. And I want to know the truth. That's all that matters. Like, not at the end of the day, if you want to be a man or a woman and change your sex. And this is just for me, Spencer speaking. Personally, I think it's sinful and wrong, but I'm not going to throw you in jail for that. But also, I don't want to walk around and pretend and have to pretend like, no, that is a woman. That No, because I'm talking lies now. Yeah. I want to be able to speak the truth. You still go and live your mm. way. And again, this is maybe why I'm glad with the Governor Yunkin thing. Because now as a Christian in Virginia, I can walk around and be like, hey, man, uh, transgenderism and homosexuality is a sin. I just want you to know that. I love you, but that's a sin, yeah. and not be thrown in jail like you but would you be in You can't Canada. be
1: thrown in jail for that. With this idea that your truth is different than my truth, your reality is different than my reality. So if your reality is that I'm a woman and I think I'm a man, why would you get in trouble for believing your own reality? I, we're not told that we, you have to like join into my reality and agree with it. If you're in your own, like, what's your truth is your truth. What's mine is mine. Why would someone be wrong for believing their own reality? That doesn't make sense. Like the pronoun thing too, like, but that's not my reality. I'm not calling you those pronouns because my reality and my truth is different. And we have to respect each other's own reality and truth.
0: Well, I think the problem is when you're grounded in any sort of truth, it sort of puts an end to all of the lies. And we're sort of surrounded by lies on all fronts. Um, you know, communism is a utopia, is a lie. You know, abortion rights are women's rights is a lie. Transgenderism is a lie. Um, all of this sort of stuff. So the second you start questioning one and you start determining that there is a grounded, like objective truth to this area, then that means. Again, like, because now you're taking it beyond the natural into the supernatural. There is a moral law. So you almost have to tear them down on every front. You can't have any truth or else all the lies fall apart. Right. So that's why we're basically attacked on every front, I think, because they can't allow any sort of moral truth, objective truth to stand, or else their whole sort of charade falls apart. Yep. And it's wicked. Um, One of the guys in there, he's a well, one of the women that has transitioned into a man, um, forgive me, I'm doing my best to not lie and like call the women men, but man, it just gets jumbled in your brain. Um, And he's advocating, she's advocating for, you know, against this, Like, She's telling you, I transitioned at 42. Right, Um, 42. And she makes the case, she's like, all this news and people telling me all this stuff, she's like, I bought into it at 42 and she was like, your kids don't stand a chance. Mm -hmm. They've got doctors and not just like, I mean, some of the women they talk to are pediatricians. This is who your kid goes to when they're feeling bad and they make them feel better. Like they trust them. And now one of the pediatricians, she looks like a wicked woman, um, works for Planned Parenthood. So, you know, she is, um, but he asked her, you know, when do you give children this gender affirming care? And she goes, whenever they feel they're ready. You're like, so, and she even makes note that infants, in her mind, infants can determine gender and kids from a very young age can be uncomfortable with their assigned gender. So in her mind, assigned. you can be a young five-year-old and walk in and go, I'm ready to be a girl if I'm a boy and she's helping them along that path. That's an evil woman. Um, but he even brought up the
1: whole like, well, kids believe in Santa Claus, and she's like, Yeah, he's real in their mind. Like, it's all about like she never said. No, she seemed like pure evil. He's real to them though. Every oh, she was very very creepy.
0: I think just the idea that people are completely comfortable in this world not thinking. Um
1: is this your notes on this side too?
0: Yeah, we're not going to get to all of oh, these because wow. I have a lot of notes written down here. I really encourage you guys to go and watch this movie. I think it's really good. Um, let me see if there's anybody on here.
2: We kind of talked about the goofy college professor. He was awful. Um, but let me see.
3: I mean,
1: who's the one that got all upset just about bringing up the word truth? They got uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, the college professor got uh, upset with him about bringing up the word truth because it was like confrontational or something like tell that. tell it was
1: like demonic, like just hearing the word truth, like
0: jarred him. And it would, right? Because Satan is the father of lies. The truth is not in him. So when you start speaking truth, or even that's going the word. to offend them because yeah. they live in a world of untruth. So when you start standing on truth, which is why I thought it was so good with Matt Walsh. I think one of the most powerful points in the whole documentary, he goes on Dr. Phil with mm-hmm. these couple of transgendered folks and then a doctor from Kent state, which shame on Kent state for even letting that person out of the, the college, I guess, to embarrass the entire university. But he makes that point. Cause they ask him like, why is this important to you? And he tells him, he's like, I love kids. I care about them. I, Care about the truth. I care about reality, and there's like a split second of a look on this teacher's face when she looks up and she gets like wants to lash out. At him, she's like, "I love kids too," and yeah. she's like, "Super." Ang-. It was dark, but I yeah. thought it was a really powerful moment. So, um this episode's running longer than we we got to stop saying that. As long as it's less than two hours, be thankful. <laughs> um, we talked about this before. It was amazing when we first started the podcast, we would like work as hard as we could to put together like a 20 minute episode and then we'd get done and we're like, ah, it's only 19 minutes. And now we're here and we're like, well, we'll do like an hour, it's like an hour 45. We're like, goodness gracious. Um, (laughs) but, uh, they did have Jordan Peterson on there, which Mm -hmm. was interesting and I don't know how most Christians feel about Jordan Peterson. I'm a very big fan of Jordan Peterson because I like his mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's, I don't think he's necessarily a Christian yet. If he is, I think he's still working through a lot. Um, well, I don't think he is, but I think he's sort of traveling that road. Some how
1: his mind works and you just don't want his intellect to get in the way of that childlike faith.
0: Right. Um, and that can definitely stop him. And I, I don't think he's there yet, if I had to guess. But yeah. just the way, because he is a psychiatrist and the way that his brain thinks, you know, I think is very interesting. And one of the things that Matt Walsh talks to him about is a gender-affirming ther- uh, therapist. And Jordan Peterson stops him and he's like, there is no such thing as a gender-affirming therapist. He's like, gender affirmation is not a thing a therapist does. Like, and he basically makes the point that like, We don't affirm you in your bad ideas as a therapist. Our goal is to work you to like, and we don't even affirm anything, right? Our goal is to help you get to the root of these issues. Yeah, the
1: things you bring up to a therapist are problems you want out
0: of. It'd be like like saying, I'm a murder affirming therapist. Well, he's got murderous tendencies. So I just kind of help him work those out and kill people. Well, no, you're not a good
2: therapist then. And that's essentially what these gender affirming therapists claim to be. But yeah, so we can go through a lot. I wrote down a couple of like more highlight points here that I just wanted to talk
0: about. What this documentary I think exposes, because we could go on this documentary for another two hours probably, but you watch the whole thing. And when I got done with it, kind of the thought that I had, because they touch a lot on in schools and the college campuses and these different places. And they even make note of where this came about from. They mentioned two doctors in specific and sort of the work that they did, which was horrific, you know, barbaric work as far as it sounds in the documentary. I don't know. I didn't study it myself. Are you
1: bringing up about that twin?
0: No, they have some horrific stories in there. You guys will have to watch. But I just had the idea that like we're allowing monsters to tell us how to raise and care for our kids, these doctors that are basically satanic they'll do anything for the advancement of their science i mean they talk about some of these doctors in here that sexually abuse young kids down to the age of like one to advance their research and Mm. just the most god-awful things you can think of and we just allow these people to be like an expert that we learn from and then we put these perverts in charge of our elementary school kids to care for them and groom them in these sexually immoral lifestyles. And then we send them to college so they can be further confused and groomed by these more educated perverts. And we have a generation now of completely lost, thoughtless, truthless, wandering souls with no grasp on reality. And it's what they've been driving them to for their entire life. And I heard a podcaster, talking about this, um, the Steve Deese show, Dace, I think it is. Um, and he was making a point about paganism. I was telling you about this, and I think it was just kind of more of a rough point, but you know, back in the pagan religion days, you know, even these pagan believers, right? Like when they would go to battle and stuff, they would take young boys out to the front lines as like their sex toys while they were at war and They would sacrifice these slave kids and whatever to these pagan gods. But he made the point, like, as barbaric as they were, they still had an understanding of between your kid and my kid. They didn't take their kid out to sexually assault them. They didn't throw their kid into the fire for the pagan god. They took your kid. It was barbaric, yes, and evil and all of that. But they still understood a difference between my family and everybody else. This is is
1: why those who are in charge of YouTube, created YouTube, don't let their kids watch it.
0: Yeah, they don't let their kids on the social media. Um, But like for us, we're in a society now where like parents want the right to kill their own children through abortion. There's so many or parents out there that want to affirm their kids in these twisted gender ideologies and you know, giving puberty blockers to their own kids and castrating their own kids and cutting their own kids' genitals off. It's almost even more barbaric than pagan religions. It is. And what they would do, and
2: it's...
1: Well, that doctor or, or she is, psychiatrist or whatever, <laughs> I don't know which one, but she was saying that these kids that come in and want to have the surgery done, um, they're already um, suicidal, they've already harmed themselves, and then the statistic that they're actually more likely to commit suicide after they have the surgery done. But she said that they use, like, emotional manipulation on the parents to get them to consent because they, they tell the parents the child needs to have the surgery done or else they're going to hurt themselves. So if you have a son, they'll say, like, would you rather have a dead son or...
0: Yeah, would you rather have a, uh, a live daughter or a dead son Yeah, as
1: yeah, like long as you have them, they're going to be a daughter now to you, but at least they're alive, but they're actually more likely to commit suicide is the truth, and they don't tell the parents that.
0: Which this documentary does sort of go into and show that that's really not the case because, you know, we talked about that 42-year-old um, trans uh, woman. Man. And she makes note in there that the highest suicide rate, I think, like per capita in the nation, is um, the transgendered person seven to 10 years post surgery. Um, So, what they think, you know, ultimately is going to be their sort of salvation and finding this new identity, ultimately, seven to 10 years down the road leads them to the highest suicide rate Mm -hmm. in the country. So, It doesn't, I mean, obviously we know all sin leads to death. This one actually physical death in a lot of cases, which is terribly sad, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, man, we have, and it's such an uphill battle. I mean, these kids in a lot of respects are already dealing with, you know, mental problems, demonic influences, but then you get around these people that are all supposed to be the ones caring for you and loving, loving on you and protecting you, but they're really the most insidious ones. Steering you into this death call of transgenderism, essentially. Yeah, I was it's really sad.
1: With this idea of them using the, the emotional manipulation scenario, we're kind of like that in our culture with um, preaching the gospel. Um, we want to love people in their sin because we're afraid to upset the relationship or hurt the relationship. So we'll, we'll love them right to hell instead of hurting them with the truth about sin and with the gospel um i think that's kind of the same tactic you know what i mean
0: yeah i mean that's you know i've called it that walk in love christianity where you'll just hold someone's hand all the way to hell and be like i was doing good and i mean and i don't you know i don't want to be too harsh i've never dealt with this with my own kid and you know I pray that God would heal the hearts of whoever's had to deal with this. I mean, I can't imagine a more awful feeling as a parent to have to make these decisions. Kid that wants to kill themselves and transgendered. Like, I wonder
1: what this, um, the numbers are for like Christian families versus non-Christian families where the children go through yeah, with their sure. surgery.
0: Well, one of the things kind of just going back here before we end the episode, he takes a trip to Nairobi. <laughs> which was really funny. Um, he goes to Nairobi and he interviews a tribe. I think it was called like the, uh, uh, let me see if I have the name here. Uh, it was like the Masi tribe, I think is what it was. And he goes and sort of interviews these Nairobi Masi tribe elders and stuff about sort of transgenderism.
1: They don't even know what it is. And It's funny. He's asked some <laughs> questions.
0: And they're like laughing and they're like, no like transgender it doesn't exist here that's not a real thing um but one of the points that one of the elders made i think when he asked him you know can a i think he said like can a man be a woman or can a man transgender or transition into a woman or something he asks him and the guy says no there's something wrong with that person or there's something wrong with their family is the point that he makes and this is a tribe where transgenderism doesn't exist but he still knows that if that's something you're trying to do there's something wrong with you and probably your family as mm-hmm. well and i don't think that's terribly inaccurate probably not 100% but i think it's probably pretty close and mm-hmm, that definitely. was really interesting to see them cuz it made me think of just really america you know cuz he talks about it a couple times in the documentary that this transgenderism thing is really a western phenomenon and i thought you know In Nairobi, they don't really have prosperity and technology, and they're really too busy to focus on this. And in America, we have so much prosperity, so much technology, and people have money and just nothing to do. They're not even working for it. So we just have nothing but time on our hands to ponder our existence, when in reality, we should be working. God gave us work to keep us busy. We have to make
1: up oppression that doesn't even exist
0: yeah like we just make this stuff up because we got nothing else to do yeah we're not striving for something you know you think if you're the mossy tribe and you've got a pack of jaguars outside your camp that's about to attack you and you're like oh well you know Susie's a man now she can go fight them. and you're like (laughs) no no she cannot like let's get the men out here they're the warriors let's go you know they don't have time to think about these insane thoughts. So yeah, it, it was really fascinating that the Nairobi tribe here. So as we get ready to end this, um, we don't want to take this too long. Do you have any final thoughts just about, we'll just stick to the documentary in general or,
1: Oh, just on this. Yeah. No, just, I mean, there's a lot to say about it. Well, like I said, we could go on, but yeah, if you guys watched it, um, yeah. Let us know. Let us know your thoughts on it to discuss it more and any other statistics or um, any other things to bring to it that maybe weren't in the documentary we could add to.
0: Yeah. I mean, this won't be the last time yeah. we talk about transgenderism and youth and just my takeaways. Um, you know, I think he highlights this and we've talked about it plenty of times in the past. This is a social contagion, um, social mm-hmm. media, mass media. This sort of stuff is driving kids, I think, insane Mm -hmm. in a lot of respects. And I think we'd be foolish to think that we aren't also being influenced. Again, we need to unplug and unplug our children as well. Um, I think schools are becoming a war zone for our kids, uh, especially if you live in some of these more liberal places. I would urge you dearly, please consider getting your kids out of school and homeschooling them at the very least, get them into a Christian school, but best case, get them home with you. Find a way to get them home with you and homeschool them. I think that's going to be Mm -hmm. a major catalyst in saving the next Mm -hmm. generation um, is raising them at home. And,
1: um, yeah, you'd rather have them be home and you're not, I mean, unless they're too young, of course, but like they're safer at home without you there as long as they don't have free access to the internet, but then they are. I mean, all the teachers that are around at school, just because there's adults around doesn't mean they're not being influenced.
0: No, and, and there's nobody- good teachers out there for sure. Not throwing them all under the bus, but I just think you can't roll the dice. You can't risk it. Uh as bad as schools are getting now, man, you gotta get them home. And it's not even necessarily the school's fault. It's they're doing what they're told. They're good little soldiers marching to that satanic drum. They're subject to the politicians and the whims of these people. Get them at home if you can. And that's really the last thought that I have here. Canada's a god-awful country. Uh, They touch on Canada a little bit here. Canada is not a free country. It's not close to America. And then you tie that to what else happened this week with their uh, prime minister, basically banning handgun sales and imports into the country. Pray for Canada, but man, you kind of get what you get, right? When that's what you elect and that's the worldview you want to have. So Canada
2: praying for you sounds like an awful place. So anything else?
1: Pray for all these kids.
2: Pray for the kids, pray
0: for the parents, pray for this country. Um, Something we pray for our kid or with our kids is that godly men and women will be raised up to actually have the courage to go and take these fights um, where they need to be fought. So that's what we'll be praying for. Uh, Make sure you guys stick around Monday. We'll be back with some daily devotionals. And then I'm afraid to know what the news is going to look like next week. Um, Christianity Today had another biblical womanhood conference that we're probably going to get into. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet, but we will talk about it unless something else bigger comes up. So that's all we got for you guys. God bless.